brought us out of darkness into marvelous, marvelous light. Oh, thank you, Lord, that you brought us out of sickness, pain, sorrow, suffering, and death, and into life forever more. Life and more life is our portion 24-7. All right, amen. Thank you, Lord. All right, we're going to attempt to do a session, but just just keep drinking, you know. If you just need to lie on the floor, just vibrate. If you need to dance, move around, you know, whoa, just notice. Just keep participating in that divine life that's just gyrating, Jehovah gyrating. Um, we are in rest part three tonight, which is an absolutely hammered drunk uh, topic. It's a, it's a hammered reality. It's so connected to this whole uh, work of uh, just heaven on earth. Um, when heaven on earth is here, we rest. We co we've called it restolutionaries, vacationaries. Of course, we're still missionaries with good news, but we're missionaries spreading what we're already experiencing. See, that, that's one of the biggest liberation uh, liberators that's happened in my life was the revelation that if I'm not enjoying something, then if I'm not enjoying life and yet I'm preaching, then I'm going to be preaching people into non-enjoyment themselves. So a lot of times missionaries and servants of the Lord feel like our life should be, you know, hard and suffering and laying things down. The problem is if that's our life, then we're and we're suffering and then we're spreading a message. We're just spreading suffering around the world. <laughs> we're making lives worse. So, um, wow, wow, wow. That was actually going to be my first point of this of tonight. I was going to do some review, but let's just jump right to the first point. The first pint, as we said last week. And this is such a, a, a overarching scripture verse that I use all the time. But John chapter 10, verse 10. I came that they might have life and life abundantly. And for some reason, Christianity, Christians have, uh, Christians have missed this so many times. We've, we've adopted, um, basically religious ideas of what Christian life would be that because we haven't understood the finished work of the cross, what Jesus has done, bringing heaven to earth, we think that we're enlisting people in a war, that we're calling people into a hard life, that we're calling people into suffering, that we're X, Y, Z of all these tough things. And what we end up doing is spreading suffering, pain, and death around the world in the name of Jesus instead of spreading life. When Jesus said, I came that they might have life and life to the full. So, you know, it's just like the old, I mean, you can only give away what you're experiencing. So that that's why it's not selfish for you to begin to enjoy your life. Like he came for me. He came for you. And uh, this is a, 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 a principle or a truth Something that Jesus taught so that, I mean, it's a foundational thing. It, and, and when we talk about the rest, most of us will feel too kind of guilty to rest if we don't realize like he came for us first. He didn't, he doesn't need our help. He didn't bring us along on this trip to, uh, for death. You know, there's so many camps that emphasize I die daily and dying daily 
which is out of context anyway, as you know, a lot of you guys know, um, I died daily met Paul was saying he was, he was persecuted on a regular basis. Um, but Jesus said, I came that they might live daily. I came that they might have life and life abundantly. And that's a huge thing. I am a, if you're a part of Jubilee and you're joining, this is a fellowship based on the, a prosperity, health and wealth gospel. Not sorry to say it's a health and wealth gospel. Now, as we've gone over before, it's more than that. It's also humility, generosity, kindness. You know, um, a lot of times the, the TV preachers that are health and wealth guys are only preaching like uh, a form of almost selfish health and wealth. Well, we're preaching a selfless, generous, humble, kind, like, like servant hearted, giving other centered love. But it is health and wealth for us. It is life to us. And it's not outward blessings first. That's another uh, thing that people get distracted on. If you think it's going to start outwardly, you've missed the message. The, the, uh, the Jews of, of Jesus's day thought that Jesus was going to start his kingdom outwardly. And he's like, the kingdom of heaven is within you. When you begin to experience the health and wealth of just communing with him, you know, just knowing him, of intimacy with him, that he is your health. He is your wealth. Like that, if you just had Jesus forever, that would be enough for you. Out of that place springs the other stuff, the outward stuff. You know, so a lot of people want to turn in, tune into like a TV preacher and they get drawn in because they're just still wanting money and, you know, personal benefit. And that stuff is a part of this scandalous gospel. Um, but if you start there, if you start outwardly, oftentimes people get disappointed. They're like, I just came into this thing to get get money and get healed, you know. And, you know, obviously sometimes that stuff just happens. Um, but the, the point of this thing is a scandalous life. It is a, a life and life abundantly. It is health and wealth, um, but it starts inwardly. Anyway, that revelation, shaka like a ding dong, is a uh, woo. It is what allows us to rest ultimately when we when we know that it's okay that he wants us to prosper. We know that it's okay that like this message is for me and I have all those things inside of me because I have Jesus inside of me. Well, if I have Jesus, I have everything. I have life to the full. And uh, and then he's going to you know express that. And it might not always be Lamborghinis and yachts, but it also may be Lamborghinis and yachts, dude. <laughs> it's much deeper than that. But anyway, we've talked about that several times, but I, it's worth going over again and again because religion has crept into almost every facet of the whole planet. You know, we all grew up religious, whether we grew up a part of Christianity or not. There's there's diet religions. There's new age religions. There's all the, the other world religions. There's just self-help religions and there's Christian religions. And they all, you know, end up, or oftentimes that it's like, if I, if I beat my body, if I suffer more, if I fast, if I press in, if I do all this stuff, if I make my life hard, then I'll get the good stuff. And the gospel comes and says, he just came to give you all the good stuff for free. And it, it turns religion on its head. He came that you might have life and life abundantly. So so we, we're in part three of our rest series. Uh, we The first session, I'm just going to do a little review, just a quick review here. On the first session, we went over how only it is finished brings rest. 
uh, we talked about how, you know, if you think that there's still stuff that you have to add, you're not going to be able to take it easy. If there's some part of salvation or saving the world or taking care of your own life that depends on you, then of course you can't rest because you've got to be doing all of those things. So, you know, this, we're not telling people to rest. I can't say that enough because sometimes people get this revelation and the rest revelations that come over them, they start telling everybody else, all you need to do is rest. And then we've just turned it back into a religion. You can't rest unless you hear the, the gospel that it's all done. And then just, you know, just like Francois says, the gospel doesn't demand faith. It, it supplies it. Well, it's the same with rest. The gospel doesn't demand rest. It supplies rest. Ah, yay. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You can also say you shall know the, the truth and the truth will make you rest. All the good fruits come from knowing the truth, which is Jesus and his finished work, his person and his work. When we see those things, whoa, it produces the rest without us trying to rest. So we talk about that a lot in the first session. Um, we talked about in the first session that the Sabbath was made for man. This is another thing that connects a lot to what my first point was tonight. Jesus came that we might have life and life abundantly. He came for us, not to demand something of us. He didn't come to ask for our devotion. He didn't come that that's all law mentality. If you think God is still asking things of you so that your life, you know, so that you can walk in sozo, it's not true. He came to give life to you. He, the Sabbath is a gift to you, not a demand. I got a hair in my mouth. Help me, Lord. The Sabbath is not a demand. And that's where the Old Testament guys got it wrong. That's where the Pharisees got it wrong. They even turned the Sabbath into saying, how many steps can you take on the Sabbath? You know, what are you allowed to, to cook on the Sabbath? Like, et cetera. Make all these rules for something that was just supposed to be a day of enjoyment. You know, and isn't that what religion does with every little thing? So um, the Sabbath was made for man. It's so such a good thing. It says so much about our God. It says so much about the, the fun, kind character of our God, the giver, the lover. Um, holy glory. So we talked about the, the word Sabbath means repose. It means desist from exertion. We talked about. Uh, so and then in session two, we went through. Um, Hebrews 4, the whole thing. We talked about how even that verse that says, uh, strive to enter his rest in most translations. If you look in the, the Greek, it does it. The word strive is one possible translation, but it's actually not the, even the most common translation of that word in the Bible. The most common translation is to just hasten or go there quickly. So we talked about that. Like sometimes people make the Sabbath is the one thing you need to strive to get into. It's like, no, 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 that's really not a great translation. Like the whole point of this thing is rest. We're not going to make you strive to get into it. Um, uh, we talked We talked a lot about, uh, yeah, well, we spent a lot of time in Hebrews 4. You can go back, check into that. Uh, okay, so if you want to review sessions one or two, go back and watch session one and two or listen to it on the podcast. Um, we're going to dive right into Number three, uh, actually, before we go into session three, let me just leave a little room. I, I mentioned shagalaga ding dong that we'd have space for questions. And sometimes there's a lot of questions. Sometimes there's none. 
Uh, does, does anybody have anything they want to bring up? Or even if you just want to throw a comment in there or a little shiggy diggy, I want to leave a little room here before, because I'm going to start talking for a long time, right? I want to leave a little room here for, uh, for some Q&A or comments, either on previous sessions or anything related to the rest. So I'll just open up. I see Mark has his hand up. What's up, my dude? Feel free to share. Yeah, it's good to hear from you guys, too. Love I was uh, just about the whole time you were were speaking. I was I was thinking about wealth, um, the, the 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 tangible resources themselves, you know, are at our disposal, and Christ has given us all the true riches, you know, everything pertaining to life and godliness. But what I what I was feeling to say about wealth is, it's the beauty of wealth is only when there is a wealthy one. When, when there is that wealthy uh, philanthropist who goes about doing good and, and being that guy, you, you can't earn that. You can't change it. It's a gift. It's, it's a calling. And I, I was just thinking about it's for every single one of us. We are wealthy and we I mean, we have resources to do any kind of good we feel like. And, and in the context of rest, uh, the wealthy person gets to decide when and how he rests. And, and his, you know, just the authority to rest is, is like an absolute thing. That is so good, bro. I love it. Ugh. A wealthy person decides when and how to rest. My God, my God. Shengdong. I see. Dad, you have you have your hand up? My dad leads me. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, 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 guys. Uh, whew. Let me show you my face. Hey. Wow. Who's drunk? <laughs> Well, uh, I love this series, dude. I mean, I'm a little biased, but uh, yeah, you are my favorite preacher, teacher. Well, I I just I I loved last week. Um, I didn't attend in live, but I watched it later. And because uh, Hebrews four, man, Hebrews four will get you drunk. It's just something about it. it. Hit me one day. I realized that you know that word. First of all. I heard years ago somebody say that word rest there in its original translation is is more like a musical term, meaning it's like come into this, there's a harmonic, like a you could feel it. It's felt like when you know that you're in the flow with the Holy Go, it's like, dude, there's that's that's tangible. It's it's real. It's you know. It's so good. But the message, dude, this message is so, first of all, so unbelievable, right? That we can have abundant life. I mean, what does that mean? Could not get, we, some of us were raised in that prophecy that of uh, the promises of, of finance and health and what prosperity gospel, whatever. But there's a prosperity here that's different than the world. It's a, and this rest, it struck me that when Paul's, or if whoever the writer of the Hebrews is, I'm, I'm kind of assuming it might have been Paul, 
But when that writer, by the time you get to chapter four, if you read this letter in context, it's so lit because he's trying to lead us to a point kind of culminates by Hebrews 12. He's like, you have come to God. You've come to Mount Zion. Where are we? The reality is that he's talking about entering in to something that is so wholly different than anything we've ever known. And the abundance that comes, you know, with this Jesus Christ is like, dude, there's so much to be like gleaned and learned and sucked out of all these messages of this gospel because the implications of something that might seem a little simplistic is so profound. So I I love Hebrews 4, dude. So thanks for letting me talk. Love you guys. Rich, rich, rich. Woo! Woo! Anybody else want to share or if you had any questions from the previous sessions or just something related to rest? Before we jump points. Yeah. I Ron just... Oh, Rainy. Rainy. Hi. Hi. Hey. Ro Ronnie and Rainy are here. <laughs> um, I love you, Ronnie. Um, no, I... If I've learned one thing, and I've, I've always believed this, but boy, <laughs> nothing nothing like when you go through crazy stuff and you are forced to rest in a lot of ways. But in the midst of that rest, the different difference was... I had times when I was resting, but there was not a bit of rest in me, you know, and so we often think, oh, just just hang out and do absolutely nothing, which is glorious. Sometimes that's what we need to do the most, you know, but sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you can do absolutely nothing and be completely restless. And sometimes you can be busy, 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 going, doing, and yet there is a rest inside of you. And you're flowing, even your doing and your your um, activeness is flowing out of that rest. And so it all, I guess what I'm, what I'm saying is just, you know, it's so much of, so much of the kingdom of God flows from the inside out. You know, we, we so many times want to look at things from the outside in because I think we, you know, go by what we can see or hear or feel or, <laughs> you know, what what's um, physical to us. But so much of the kingdom of God just flows from 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 the inside out. And so I guess that's what, what what's on my heart as far as the whole thing about rest. Hammered. Well, you were talking, I'm just remembering, you know, a lot of times when we go through a challenging circumstance where we realize there's nothing we can do to change it, it's we're actually just waking up to the mm -hmm. truth, though, is always true because there's actually never anything we can do. <laughs> it's we're always we always need to be reliant on him for everything. 
a lot of times it's only in those moments that we remember that they were like, man, God, all I can do is just trust in you in this. He's like, that was all you could ever do. The funny thing you say that because even like today, this week for some reason I've been, I've been, um, writing a lot you know just not not writing um not creatively writing just letting out <laughs> you know it just it just um i love you michelle you're so awesome um but just writing and um today i was just frustrated over you know so many physical things that were going on and frustrated over money and watching certain things happen and I'm like you know especially for some reason I was really irritated at the whole money thing I'm like really letting out my emotions to God and as I'm writing these things out it's exactly like you were saying it's like okay for one thing you're thinking about me providing a middleman source when I can provide whatever you're wanting or whatever you're wanting to do, even the things that you want to do that's that don't, that aren't having to do with you, you know, it's like, I, I can provide that without all the, without all the, the um, middleman currencies that the world depends so much upon. And I'm going Hello, I don't even know why I don't think about that so often, but it's just our world, our, our you know, our our world depends on certain things, and yet we've got the Father of all who ha- has created all things, and even given us the ability to create anything that man has ever made. So it's like that trust, just being able to, you know, to just lean back and and let go of all those other things and just go okay, you know what I need, <laughs> you know what I'm wanting for us, you know, you know what, what I'm frustrated about, you know all this stuff. <laughs> I got here, here I am, Lord, this whole thing's yours, you know. <laughs> fuego, 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 fuego de Dios. That's so good, Raining, thank you. Allison, did I see your hand up? I saw that. Hand. Yes, but I didn't want to waste too much time. <laughs> oh, it was never a waste. No, it's not. This is a good story, actually. Okay, so this is about the effortlessness of parenting in Jesus, which I've been exploring this year in New Measure. And since Jesus deconstructed me while my oldest was pretty young, we just haven't like dragged our kids into church very much. I mean, every time we did, they'd come out with horrible things. <laughs> they came out with one, we went to this really charismatic kind of church, and they literally walked down. I was like, what did you learn about today? They're like, we learned about healing. I'm like, that's great. And they're like, we learned about pleasing God. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, first, they had us write down bad things we did. And then we had to say sorry. But it was just horrible. So anyway, so, so a lot of the conversations we have, about God or anything are just like supernatural and spontaneous. Like they just happen. We we don't really put a, aside a whole lot of time 
we do homeschool and I even like avoid the Christian ones because I don't want to read that theological trash that they'll put in. I'm like, honestly, and if we do, I have to edit it because I'm like, this is horrible. I even crossed out one on, on uh, my seven-year-old's page today that said, Lord, help me to be dot, dot, dot. And then it was fill in the blank this week or something. And I crossed it out and I said, Jesus, thank you for making me this. And so Asher got to fill in all the things that he is thinking he thanks him for making him kind. I didn't I didn't prompt him beyond just that prompt. He he put down what he wanted. He put thank you for making me kind and then he said thank you for making me love. He put uh thank you for helping me say sorry. All these things. It was so cool. And then like we haven't like we read the Bible randomly, but it's just not like a sit down kids and listen to the word of the Lord. <laughs> And um, I think he was probably listening very intently on Monday when you were reading through the the cross, <laughs> the crucifixion, uh, Matt, because he literally just randomly in the middle of homeschool gets out 10 sheets of paper and starts drawing scenes from Jesus's life. And he's like, and this is where he went on the cross. And this is when the, they put him in the tomb. And this is when they opened the tomb. There's no one there. And this is when he went to the father. And I'm like, I don't think I really even taught you that much <laughs> like directly and so that was just like amazing and then another conversation we had was about bad guys and good guys because that's always the simplest understanding for kids and I've always said to them there aren't any bad guys there's people who do bad things because they don't know they're good and we, t- we talk about that a lot and so we haven't talked about that in probably a year and the kids brought that up the other day and I was like yes like this is so exciting and they're even like telling their friends that kid's not a bad kid he probably just his dad's not very nice to him at home or something's going on (laughs) like we're like solving problems left and right it's so exciting and then we were talking about the location because in their stupid christian curriculum (laughs) there's something about the kingdom of heaven but it was so good because we were talking about we were like, where do we think the kingdom of heaven is? Let's read some Bible verses. And they're like, it's inside of us. It's now. <laughs> they were talking about Jesus inside our bellies. And then and then my son goes, so when I eat pie, probably Jesus tastes it too. And he likes it. <laughs> so anyways, that's my super random, joyful uh, times with Jesus and parenting. It's been like crazy. <laughs> so good. I love it. I, I, I love these practical testimonies like that, too, just to show us. I mean, this stuff works on its own. The gospel works on its own. And we just enjoy it ourselves and share it as we feel led in our households. And A little intentionality, but sometimes you don't even have to. Have, it's just going to pop up. Just be at rest. And being spirit led equals being at rest. Being at rest in Christ is is being spirit led. And that's just so good to see it i'm rejoicing with you allison those are beautiful moments we love that when stuff like that happens with our kids too like uh nothing feels better as a parent (laughs) oh my jesus wow 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 well uh i'm sure we could share more testimonies and stuff if if there are any questions at a certain point feel free to put your hand up but i want to Get into a little bit more uh, material tonight. Um, we usually go a couple hours. We got maybe forty-five minutes left. I want to. I want to look into some Norman Grubb stuff tonight too. 
which I think you guys will really enjoy. Norman Grubb is really great uh, on the union message. He actually uh, was the editor of a magazine called Union Life for a number of years. Um, he wrote a lot of different books, but we're just going to read a little article on when he talks about actually Romans 6, 7, and 8. Take some excerpts from there in a minute. But yeah, you know, shock a lot of ding dong. The, the rest is such a, a wonderful reality. It says so much about God that he wants us to rest, that he He has us living in a continual state of rest. Like how good is our God? Like how good, like all the things that God could have for us. And oftentimes we've adopted still those mentalities that he wants us to be workers, that he's made us to be servants. And all of those other things are are redefined in light of the rest. The way we serve is by enjoying so much and inviting others into that enjoyment. The way that we're laying our lives down is by resting in the Holy Ghost in front of other people and doing whatever it takes out of that state of rest to help others rest with us. You know, it's it's just a totally different paradigm. It redefines things. I love how John 10, 10 redefines things, life to the full, life to the full. If it doesn't feel good, it's not God. If, it, if it's not filled with life, it's not God. And if it's not restful, it's not God's will for us. So, you know, it's just coming in, letting these things be redefined. So many things have been defined by religion, you know. And so anyway, we started tonight's session, if we actually did transition into session three, <laughs> By going into John 10, 10, this is about life to the full. Um, and yeah, someone already mentioned it. This isn't a shallow worldly definition of enjoyment or life to the full, but it's also not a definition that can't be understood by the average person. And I, I think that's, that's, you know, sometimes we'll say God is good, but not according to the world's definition of goodness. Well, the word good has to mean something still. You know, some people are like, God is good. But in his sense of goodness, he's chosen to damn some people from before the foundations of the world. And like, wait, you just redefined goodness to basically be goodness in disguise. You know, <laughs> it's like this is the same with with uh, with rest and joy and life. These words still mean something. And just because they're it, this isn't the the selfish like self-centered uh, enjoyment, you know, that the world would call enjoyment, or it's not the rest of like kind of just doing nothing and being lazy or like taking time off that the world would say, but it also still is rest. You know, it's still, it's still a restfully enjoyment. Your life should still feel like a vacation in a bit. It should feel like a day off. You know, every day in the gospel flowing by the Holy Spirit should feel like a sigh of relief. Even if you're laying your life down to help a poor person or a hurting person, or you're sitting with someone who's going through a hard time, or you're traveling to the ends of the earth to preach the gospel in a desert, like if it's initiated by the Holy Spirit, it still feels like a day off. Still feel, maybe not in, like physically all the time, but you know, you're still going to feel the hundred degree weather in the desert or whatever. You're still you know, there's still challenges, but it's like, you know, there's such a whack in the presence of God who is our rest. We talked about that in session one, that only the presence of God truly is rest. So Rainey was saying, you know, uh, you can you can take days off and not feel restful. But 
any day with the Holy Spirit feels restful, you know? And so uh, it, it's also, anyway, just getting back to the point I was making, like if, if we're at rest, it's not going to be some redefined word where rest doesn't really mean enjoyment, you know, where rest. And I think that's important because even uh, theologians, I've, I, like I mentioned before, I've sat with guys who preach the rest. You can tell they're not really enjoying their life. They're not at ease. Um, but they've kind of turned the rest into like, well, the rest is just doing what Holy Spirit wants, you know, and that is true. But what is Holy Spirit like? You know, Holy Spirit actually is good and kind and wants us to have life to the full. And when God says rest, it actually means something restful, not just some strange, obscure definition that doesn't mean anything to the average person. So he said, come to me and I will give you rest. And that's really good news that anyone can understand. Even a little baby. So, but that's this, like, vac- oh. this vacationary lifestyle, this, this restfulness, this, this fun, this, this joy, this ecstasy, this happy gospel, um, isn't the happiness and isn't the rest as the world would define it. And so it is important to delineate that. It's substantial fun, substantial happiness. Ask Holy Spirit what substantial fun is. That's a whole journey in itself. Woo! That's the lifestyle of, of giving, serving, loving. Woo! Um, so number two. The, this will be before we kind of get to the grub stuff. The holy heart. I, I love the message of the holy heart, which is the new creation, which is union. You can't feel free until you know that you have a holy heart. Until you see. You can't rest um, until you know you have a holy heart. And it's really dynamically connected. And I think this is why it was so good. This is part kind of the rabbit hole we're going to go down tonight with everything else that we're doing here is understanding union a lot of us still have this mentality that god is over here somewhere outside of me with a will and desire for my life and then i have i'm over here and i have a will and desire for my life and that's old covenant that's religion that's a lie that's the gospel is that these two have been united that our will is now united with him and he's made our heart holy. That's what freedom means. Galatians 5.1. That's what Romans 6 is saying. How could we, who died to sin, live in it any longer? And when we get to, uh, oh, what verse was it? In Ezekiel, it says several times, Ezekiel 36.26, a new heart I will give you and a new spirit I'll put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your, out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I've given you a new heart. Um. That is one of the, the that it's, it's the ecstasy. It's, it, this is the revelation, guys, that very few Christians get. And because of that, we live double-minded. Well, we think that there's two wills inside of us. There's two minds inside of us that aren't in agreement. And the reality is that the holy heart, knowing that you love God's will, is what can cause rest. And it is, it, you know, it's part of the gospel that produces this rest. And, uh, you know, there's a passage, I think it's in Psalm 110 or one of the, one of the Psalms where it says, my people will volunteer freely in the day of my power. Um, that verse always just gets me jacked up. My people will volunteer freely 
uh, whoa, like they'll want to do what I'm calling them to do. That's union. That's life. And it's exactly what we read in Romans 6. You were you were a slave to sin, but now you're a slave to righteousness. Not Now that slavery sounds like a bad thing if you didn't realize it was an internal reality. Like, because you're not technically a slave if it's what you want to do, you know, but your your heart is yoked to his heart. So they're in union. If he calls you to Siberia, that means you're going to enjoy Siberia because that's what you want to, that's where you want to be. He doesn't call you to these crazy things that he didn't already put inside of you because you're united with him. This is part of the message of union. And so what rest is, is then being yourself or doing what your holy heart wants. I want to encourage you to go down the rabbit trail of this. We'll revisit this many times because this is one of my favorite things. It's one of the most freeing parts of the gospel. It's what we need to hear over and over again is union, union, union. It doesn't just mean he's there with you. What happens when he's there with you? How does that affect you? Well, it affects everything. It affects, you you know, if God is inside of you, the Holy Spirit is the deepest part. So it's going to affect everything from the very core of your desires. Um, God is in the very core of your desires, flowing up out of you. And that's what true, that's another way to describe true rest. True rest is doing what you want. So this is the the scandal. Sometimes people say, well, you can't just tell people to do whatever the hell they want. I'm like, well, you can tell people to do whatever the heaven they want because (laughs) they're filled with heaven. They're they're filled. They're not filled with hell anymore. You know, if you don't want it, it, the truest. So it's it's really um, what do you truly, truly, truly want to do? It will never be hellish. You know, it's it's what what you really, really, really want to do is heavenly. and if you ask any anybody who's you know been walking with Jesus for any a little bit amount of time, like what do they love? Or even, you know, a lot of times people just in the world because they're filled with Jesus too. Ask them what they want. It's always going to be these beautiful things for the most part. Like, what do you really, really, really want? It's beautiful things because God's inside of them already. And so this message, like the reason why so many people are not at rest is because they've been told that God is not in them. And that the things that they love are probably not really what God wants. And so now they're, they, they think that the things that God's placed in them, the very destiny, the very things that are flowing from Holy Spirit are like incongruous with them. So they're always at this rub. They're, they're like, the things I want to do, I can't do. And the things, you know, it's the Roman seven man that pops up, you know. But when you realize your heart is holy and in union with God, then you just begin what's natural if some, you know, like with Jesus, you want Jesus to do the things that he loves because Jesus is holy. You wouldn't want to tell Jesus, don't do what you love, Jesus, do something else, you know, because he's holy. Well, he's made you holy. So he says the same thing to you. And it's it's restful to do what you want. It's It's stressful to do what you don't want. And freedom is doing what we want. And it being with God, what he wants, it, what we want, are in union. Now, that's when you know who you are, when you're at rest in who you are, when you're in touch with who, what you truly, truly, truly want. Now, there are some people that are, you know, walking in false identities. If you tell them to just do whatever they want, they might choose hellish options. But if they sit with Holy Spirit for a minute and feel the core of who they are, they feel Jesus inside there, man, that's what it means to rest. 
is to sit in there with him, feel him in there, and then just begin to go with the flow. You know, taking time off, doing little, isn't necessarily rest, but feeling God inside your body and going with that, going with that flow, that is like floating down a river. Really is like floating. You're just on, you're on the floaty. You're on the floaty with the Lord and it feels very, very good. Whoa, shaka laga laga. Woo, so uh, we might revisit this again. Uh, we will over and over until, and I encourage you to ask questions. If you, if you haven't grasped, some of you have been tracking with this stuff for a long time, but you have a holy heart. And I want to encourage us to take that to its furthest conclusion. Don't go back to the old sinner saint dichotomy. I'm, I'm partially holy, partially unholy. Just recognize that the gospel is that he gave you a new creation life, a new creation heart. And when you begin to flow from that, you're no longer going to feel the torment of man. I, I want this, but I think God wants this for me. No, like they're, they've been united. What you really, really want is always what God wants and what God wants. He's already placed inside of you. So anyway, there's so much connected to rest with that. This is why even Jesus, okay. Uh, Jesus at being the son of man said 10 different times in the book of John, if you have the NASB version that I do nothing of my own initiative. He, in fact, he said, I can do nothing of my own initiative. He didn't even say, I choose not to do anything of my own initiative. Jesus would say 10 different times. I mean, when you see a phrase repeated in scripture, it's usually important. When Jesus repeated it 10 different times, it's probably pretty dang important that we got this revelation. Jesus said, I can do nothing of my own initiative. I want to pop some of these up on the screen here. Just so you can look at them. Um, I don't know if this is a great, uh, actually, this is really bad. <laughs> well, there you can kind of see it. This is just from my e-sword. Um, it's an electronic uh, Bible on my laptop. But John 5.30, I can do nothing on my own initiative. John 8.28, Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and I do nothing on my own initiative. But I speak these things as the Father taught me. John 8.42, um, at the end, he says, I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. John 10, 18, no one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. Well, but then he said this commandment I received from the Father. Um, John eleven fifty one. he did not say this on his own initiative. John 12, 49, I did not speak on my own initiative. Um, whoa, let me get, let me pop up another one here. Um, the other five, John eleven fifty one. Now he did not say this on his own initiative. John twelve forty nine. I did not speak on my own initiative. John fourteen ten. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative. John sixteen thirteen. He will, and this is speaking of the Holy Spirit. He will not speak on his own initiative. John eighteen thirty four. Um, Jesus answered. Oh, that's a kind of a different context. So at least there's nine of those that was really dynamically related to Jesus saying, I do nothing of my own initiative or the Holy Spirit does nothing of my own initiative. They're, the life that they live was in union. Jesus is not trying to obey some set of external commandments from the Father, but he, he flows 
by the Father within him. So that when he speaks, he's not trying to just speak what the Father says. He says, I can't even do anything other than what the Father has sent me here for. Now, he could do things, but those things would be as nothing. It's the same with us. When, when we try to do something that we initiated ourselves, it's not restful, and it's as if we did nothing at all. It's pointless, right? Apart from you, I have no good thing. But with you, I have everything. I'm able to flow uh, with you know effortlessly with you by your by your river within me. That's called abiding. It's called rest, and it's the only way we can bear any fruit. I can't wake up today and decide to bear fruit. I can go with the flow of Holy Spirit, and Jesus will bear fruit with my, through my life. And the good news is that's not even something. That's the, actually the easiest thing for me to do. So that the other problem is when some people say, do nothing of your own initiative, and they make it sound hard. It's actually the most natural thing for you to do to flow with the river of God. It's the most natural thing for you to flow in what he has. And it's the only way for you to bear fruit. But the problem is we get worried. We get concerned. We, when we take our eyes off of Jesus and the gospel, and we put our eyes on problems, things that we think need, we need to fix, things that we need to save, we make ourselves the Savior. We make ourselves the Lord. And we go out like Martha trying to make a bunch of things happen. And there's no, it's as if we're doing nothing at all. It, it will, in the end, all of those things, he'll redeem those things, but those things in themselves are poof. They're, they're, they're pointless. There's no, there's no fruit to them. He says those that bear much fruit are those that just abide in the vine, which sounds like a mystical phrase, and it is, but it's referring to noticing a holy, you know, just honestly, just being yourself in union with Holy Spirit and going with the flow of the river. And that's rest. It, and it feels effortless. And this is where, you know, if you start bearing fruit, you could never, you would never take any credit for it. You'd never be like, yeah, yeah, that's because I did all this amazing stuff. Because when you're flowing with the river of God, it's him carrying you along. A lot of times your right hand doesn't even know what your left hand is doing. Right. Like that's how Jesus taught us to give. He said, when you give, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Well, how could that even be? Except that you weren't initiating right or left. It was the Holy Ghost doing it through you. Or Jesus just living his life through you because you've stopped trying to make anything happen. So when you stop trying to make anything happen and you're just at rest in him, fruit starts happening. But you can't take any credit for it. And all you could say is, I did nothing of my own initiative. And Jesus actually gets the glory. Like, this is another reason I love the rest message. And even the most religious guy will say, well, you know, yeah, it's supposed to be Jesus getting all the glory, not me. But if you're relying on yourself for any portion of it to that degree, then you will end up getting the glory in the end. And you're either proud if you succeed or you're condemned if you fail. And we, you go, most, most religious Christians go through that uh, mountaintop to valley roller coaster ride of succeeding in pride and then failing and getting condemned. Now I'm succeeding in pride and failing and getting condemned because they're initiating all that stuff. And in the end, all of those things were as nothing and bearing no fruit because it was just our own attempts to, to help God out. And he never needed any help. He put himself inside of you and he said, just rest enjoy my presence and move by inspiration. If you feel the inspiration of my spirit leading you in a direction, leading you into something, 
just go with that flow. But it's gonna, it'll be so drunk, so life-filled. Ooh, this is why, I mean, the, the, going with the flow of God is, is just so good. It's gonna, it feels really good, and a lot of fruit happens, and there's no work required. And, a, and yeah, I mean, I can go on and on about it. But it's, I feel like it's so rarely talked about. In fact, in, in coming up with resources for this series, I had a lot of trouble finding a bunch of writings. I love I always love to pull in other people's writings. But like I mentioned in some of the other sessions, most of the commentaries think the rest is for after we die. Literally, they, they just talk about you'll enter into that eternal blessed rest, you know, on that final day. I'm like, dude, when I look at look at the you missed the point, the whole point of life like is to live in his rest. Like, you know, it, it's so sad when people, when we, I mean, we've just pushed so much off into the future when it's our inheritance now. Woo. But yeah. So, you know, the Holy heart doing what we want and, and doing nothing of our own initiative, but uh, simply abiding in the vine, enjoying Jesus. People are afraid of that because they they'll tell you, if you just sit around enjoying Jesus all the time, you'll get lazy and you never get anything done. Would you think Jesus isn't alive? That that would be a, a a healthy fear to have if Jesus was dead. You know, like if Jesus didn't exist, Jesus didn't actually live inside your body, then sitting around enjoying him and listening to him and waiting for him to move inside of you would be, you know, awful. It would bear no fruit. But he good news, he's actually He's actually in us. Oh my God. <laughs> like, well, just notice him right now. He's hyper energizing. You know, he he has whoa, lots of things that he's gonna flow through you. He he may call call you to get a 60 hour a week job. Who knows? Like he Paul said he had preached the gospel to the, all the known world, and Paul was at rest in Christ. So as, as Paul is resting, doing nothing of his own initiative. It didn't make him just sit around being lazy forever and never no fruit happening. He he rested and all of a sudden he found himself getting carried to every nation of, that he knew of. He didn't go to North and South America as far as we know. He, he said, I preached the gospel to all the known world because he and he went like, look, follow his missionary journeys. He went everywhere, but he wasn't trying to save the world. He wasn't trying to make anything happen. He was moving, but not by his own initiative, but just at rest in the glory being led by the Holy Spirit. Now, even when I mentioned Paul, sometimes we can build up this picture in our head. Okay, that's what my life is going to be like. No, it's not. Your your life is going to be you. It's going to be Michelle. It's going to be Dante. It's going to be Matt's missionary journey, which may mean just working at the gas station for 50 years. You don't know. like Because working at the gas station is no better or worse than working, you know, going to 50 nations like Paul We've elevated certain things in our mind and then therefore uh, kicked ourselves out of the rest so many times. The only way to rest is to live an authentic original life, like Christ living his authentic original life through you, not you trying to be like Paul or whoever your heroes are of the faith. That's great. You might gain something from looking at their life, but you can't copy their life. Now, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, but he didn't mean follow all of the things that I do with my life. He was talking about more of his, probably even these very things, like follow me in my rest, follow me in the enjoyment of the gospel, the enjoyment of Christ. Don't try to replicate my mission. Don't try to replicate 
those are things that only the river of God, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and you just doing whatever the heaven you want can produce. And when you begin to uh, just do whatever the heaven you want in union with Jesus, you will find that your life is super fruitful. And wherever he leads you to go, you'll notice lives touched, transformed, healed, uh, and just good stuff, good fruit. Even if it's none of those ministry fruits that you can write down in a newsletter, people will be loved. Joy will happen. Because fruit is the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace will break out. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control will break out. Um, and, of course, there'll be miracles and there'll be all those things that follow believers. But, uh, again, it's it's at rest. It's at enjoyment. Whoa, shing, ding, ding. It's like it's when you finally come to a point where you say, I I. I can't be bothered to be like somebody else. I cannot be bothered to do jackedly squat. It's not even what would Jesus do? I'm not trying to follow his example. He's in me living his life now. What is Jesus doing now in me? That's that's the question that you don't even have to ask. <laughs> Just notice him living his life through you. He's living his life through you. What more is like feeling what he loves feeling you know what he's calling you to and it's always gonna be a restful thing it's always gonna be a life-giving thing it's always gonna be a fun thing you know whoa it's when we stop trying to use any external um example any external standard whether that's the life of someone you respect or a set of laws or what you think a good christian should be like or whatever that external thing, and you begin to just notice Father, Son, and Holy Spirit well, inside your body, and you're like, you know what? Whatever you're calling me to do, I'm just going to go with that, and I know it's good. I know, and it's always funny because you can say whatever you're calling me to do, or you could also at the same time say whatever I love to do, I'm going to go with that Come on. because they are in union. Woo, nothing of my own initiative. There's a lot. Of, there's tons on it. There's tons on it. Woo. So um, I'm going to go into the Grub article. And I'm going to pop some of those up on the screen so you can check them out. But another way to say what I just said is like being dead to any external set of things that we need to live up to. Or being being at rest in Christ is being dead to the shoulds. Right. Being dead to all the should mentality. Some people say don't should on yourself. Right. Don't don't use all these. I should be more like this person. I should be doing that. No, it's what is Jesus moving through my desires in my life? What does he put inside me? Ooh, I get to the kingdom is not shoulds. The kingdom is get to all. It's always a get to. It's always Woo, what's going to bring us the most joy today, Abba, Jesus, Holy Spirit, and me, <laughs> and everyone with around me? What's going to bring us the most joy today? Whoa, that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to flow in. And it doesn't mean you, you stop every day and reevaluate and start over every day. Some people live that lifestyle. Others, you know, they they got a job by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and they go to work every day. They don't, they don't wake up every morning and say, should I go to work today or not? They, they got the job, and they stick with it, or... They, they, they started a ministry and they stick with it. You know, some people feel like if I do the same thing two days in a row, I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit. Like, no, if he led you into something, then he's going to keep flowing in that unless you feel this big sea change. But 
Uh, Holy Spirit also is consistent. So that's just a random thing. Okay, let's get into the Grub article. I love Norman Grubb, for, especially for this very revelation, Union Life, Nothing of My Own Initiative, um, which is another way of describing the rest. Um, I'm going to put this up on the screen, some of this Norman stuff. If you don't know who he is, I encourage you. To, I'm not into everything he said. Like I, like I said, I always qualify whoever, whatever resource, you know, um, you listen to and take it to Jesus yourself. Um, but this is from an article he wrote. Um, what's it called? It is called. It's, it's actually more of a, a harder to find thing. It's not from one of his books, but it was trying to open it on my computer here. It's called Paul's Key to the Liberated Life, Romans 6 to 8 by Norman Grubb. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's 13 pages long, but I want to read a few parts. Paul's Key to the Liberated Life. And I got this article offline, and for some reason it has weird numbers at certain points that aren't necessary. So just ignore those. But let's read some of this together. Um, The main consequence of our yielding to Satan at the fall was that he deceived us all into thinking that we have a human self which can operate and manage itself. (laughs) Even as he lyingly thinks he manages himself. In fact, we are only operated and managed by a deity self, the spirit of truth or the spirit of error who owns us. This was symbolized in the garden, or as we read in Romans 6 earlier, you're slaves to sin or you're slaves to righteousness. This was symbolized in the garden by receiving the fruit of one or the other of the two trees. So when the law is meant to expose Satan's lies, and it comes to us in our deluded condition, Satan has the laugh on us. We obey his self-for-self-sin laws, being his slaves, and cannot obey God's laws. We who are saved admitted our sins in their outer forms and received forgiveness, justification through our Lord Jesus Christ and the new birth of the Spirit. But we were still too blind to recognize the depth of Satan's deceit in us. We thought that as saved and new creations in Christ, we could still take a share in managing ourselves. Oh, stick on that for a second. As new creations in Christ, we thought we could still take a share in managing ourselves. Paul explains the full meaning of redemption through our dying in Jesus' death to sin. Satan's indwelling and becoming alive in his resurrection to God's spirit now indwelling in us. But it's meaningless to reckon and say that we are now dead to sin and alive to God while that root deception is not yet out of us. And we think we are more than a people managed only by the deity spirit in us as vessels, branches, temples, slaves, or wives. Whoa, all those analogies are dependent things, vessels. Branches, temples, slaves, or wives. In those analogies, it's a dependence indicated there. In order for us to learn this indwelling principle to its depths, Paul challenges, just try to keep the law. You'll find the very opposite occurring. You've been a slave to Satan and sin, and now a slave to Christ and his righteousness. But that change of owner and indweller doesn't lay hold of you in reality while there remains a sense of self-relying self in you as if you are not just a slave. I wouldn't always use the same language as Norman, but I try to get his point, try to hear his heart here. Just try to keep the law and live the Christian life, and you will find that you can't, because there never was just a you. 
you're trying is really the remnant of Satan's deceit on you that you are an independent self. Then you will respond to his sin controls and fall on your face and your failures to keep the law. And that failure will at last expose you to this lie that you could have and act and respond independently. There is no such thing. Woo, stop for a second. This is what the rest is about. <laughs> Waking up from independent self. Waking up. Th this is what works are. Dead religion and works are you sitting there thinking that you're by yourself. I love how Dr. C. Baxter Kruger emphasizes over and over that the chief lie that people believe, the chief lie of religion is that you think you're separated from God. Mm -hmm. uh, well, you think that in any moment, I'm here worrying about my circumstance, trying to figure it out and fix it without God. I'm just sitting here by myself. That's the chief lie of religion. And where this relates to how we live and the liberation, the liberty that we have in Christ is when we realize there is no independent self. I'm full of God. I'm possessed by God. I'm in union with God. He's closer to me than the air I breathe. And he's permeated even down. This is where it gets crazy. He's permeated even down to the depths of my will. He's permeated even into my desires. He's permeated down inside my emotions. God is sitting there inside. When I really know Christ inside of me, my emotions transform. My desires, I notice his desires and my desires. I notice them together. I co-know together with him. And we start to just flow in the river. Um, whoa. So uh, the lie is that you could act and respond independently. There is no such thing. Your I can is still Satan having his lying hold on you. <laughs> now a lot of this you know again i'm not i'm not able to fully explain all of this there are a few qualifiers in this stuff um you process anything you hear here you you process it with father son holy spirit yourself but there's a profound truth here your i can is is still satan having his lying hold on you uh, let's keep reading. Uh, then at last, it can become real to you that Jesus dying for us and as us and his rising by God's spirit for us and as us means a change of ownership. We never did own ourselves. Satan owner is out for keeps. Christ owner is in for keeps. Oh, that's a good news. Woo Satan owner is out for keeps. Christ owner is in for keeps. Now we just know that we are Christ-managed, never self-managed, and no longer Satan-managed. The outer law is now meaningless. Oh, shaka-laka-laka, somebody get it. The outer law is now meaningless. We are dead to it because our I is solely the expressor of God's life, and he operates his laws in nature spontaneously in us, by us, and as us. Woo! Shing, ding, 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 ding. I'm going to pop up to another one. I think I got... I don't know how many pages I got through two or three of these. Let's keep reading together. Yo, that is our answer to every false claim in this Satan infected world that Satan has a hold on us. Christ in us is our law and he fulfills it by us. Just as Satan used to fulfill his by us. Satan is out for keeps. Christ is in for keeps. And now we can actually live 
what we said we do live in Romans 6, 11, dead to sin, alive to God in our Lord Jesus Christ. Whoa, 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 whoa. I love the title of this next section. The basis of the solution only container. <laughs> Notice the solution in your container. Uh, in eternity, God begat his son, thereby transmuting his. Now, this is it, some of Norman's interesting mystical language. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to analyze it all. Thereby transmuting his own fire self into a light self and becoming the self of other love. We understand from Genesis that our first parents were created in God's image to be containers of his spirit and expressors of his nature by means of their humanity to symbolize this planned union. The tree of life with its precious fruit was set in the midst of the garden. Satan, on the other hand, turned his self or of fiery desires into the self for self nature of consuming love. And this nature of his is what he infused into us at the fall as though it were ours. So man, who was designed to be united with the spirit of self for others, or other-centered love, was tricked into yielding to the satanic spirit of self for self, or selfish love. In the present, we have learned, and by faith put into practice our Lord Jesus Christ's Calvary identification. Whoa, there's a whack on. With us as us, as a result, a tremendous change of indwelling spirit has taken place in us, and the deceiver no longer indwells and controls us. When Paul tells us that we are no longer under that former outer law of Moses, doesn't that mean that we should be given over to a spirit of license? God forbid, pronounces Paul. In our new life, our human selves are motivated by, controlled by, and here's here's a great word, spontaneously express the nature of God by his spirit united to our spirits. Laying the foundation of this assurance in Romans 6, 16 to 7, 6, Paul there presents one strong evidence after another that there is no immediate independent me. Oh my God, this produces such rest, guys. There is no immediate independent me to be taken over. Those days are over. It was never true. Unless we foolishly believe it. First, he says, we were always slaves and a slave just obeys his owners. We had handed over ourselves to sin, Satan, to express his signature. Now, however, we have become God's willing slaves through the obedience of faith, which takes him at his word. And we express his nature of holiness. Put it this way, Paul explains, we were free in our sinning with no responses to God's law. Now we are free in our right living with no response to Satan's laws. Either way, there is no you with an in-between or independent life of your own. Now there is, he's not saying there's no personal you. You're not dissolving you into some nebulous goo here with not removing your personality. All right. It's not a, this is important because there are some people that begin to just adopt that, that Eastern kind of, you know, all is one. We are one, but it's union with distinction. There is still a you, but there's no in-between or independent you. That's what Norman says right there. There's no in-between or independent life. There's only, you were only ever dependent, either dependent on evil or dependent on Jesus. Next, Paul introduces a second illustration, a fruit-bearing tree. He describes how we are now producing right, good fruit in our lives, where as we were formerly ashamed of, the, of the, our former fruit. He wants us to understand that we are only branches. Come on. This is where the rest is, guys. 
You are a branch which has changed trees. We never produce fruit without a tree. Jesus is the vine, you're the branch. To sum up, we learn through this slave and branch analogies that we never exercise any kind of in-between uh, life as self-operators. Self-operators is non-rest. You want, if you want to live in striving, you want life to become work, it's hard when you're the self-operator. Sorry, I'm just pausing here. <laughs> you want it to be a restful life? Realize Christ is your operator. Woo, you are the glove. He is the hand inside. You are the slave. You are the branch. He is the vine. He is your Lord. We are Okay, I'm getting back to the writing. We are slaves of either one owner or another, branches of either one vine or the other. Therefore, the idea that we humans were self-operating selves and had a nature, a quality of life of our own has been a vast human illusion. There never was such a thing. We have been created to produce the way of life of our deity creator and operator. Only first we had to experience and discard through Calvary that false deity operator produced the opposite negative way of life in us. Um, shing, ding, ding. I'm going to stop for now. And just use one closing little picture, a story, another story from Baxter. I love, uh, love someone. Baxter's so good at storytelling. And uh, he uses this analogy. And I, I've used this a couple of times. Well, it was just something that happened to him. A guy came up at one of Baxter's meetings and he was, he was just talking about how he really wanted to live for God. He wanted to be a missionary. He wanted to serve. He wanted to love. He wanted to bless. Maybe I even talked about this last week. I don't know, but it's so good. <laughs> and I, I get this all the time too. You get, you get well-meaning, passionate believers that want to just serve God. And they're, they're asking you, what's God's will for my life? Um, I really pray for me. I want to know God's will. I, I can't tell you how many times I've had that. Like people pray for me. I want to know my calling. Pray for me. I just want to do God's will. It's such a good desire. Isn't that beautiful? Like it's sweet. It's kind, you know? And what Baxter said was, well, what, what do you what do you do for a living now? He's like, well, I'm I'm a chef. I I I cook. He's like, do you like that? He's like, man, I I think about recipes all day. Like I wake up at night and I just like to write things down. I have ideas, you know. I've got all these ideas. I talk to my wife about them. We're always coming up with these new empanadas that we like to make or whatever it is, you know. And uh, and Baxter's like, well, there you go. <laughs> Simple as that, you know. <laughs> yeah. and i think a, a really simple picture like that i could have drawn that story out a little bit longer but I, you got it it's easy we we think that there's this external thing that god has for us and and this isn't just like going back to some complacent doing whatever the hell you want again i want we need to notice but notice jesus inside of you what you love what's what who's at your depths do you feel those things that have whack on them? Those things that have glory on them? Like, like where, like if say for example, it's cooking, like that analogy. Do you feel Jesus? Do you feel God when you're cooking? Do you feel God when you're writing down a recipe or when you're thinking of those flavors, when you're tasting those things, when you're when you're ready to present your food to that person? Dude, that that is God's will for you, and that is rest on it. You know, do you where do you feel alive? Where do you feel alive? Because he came that you may have life and life to the full. And you don't need to self-initiate to find an external will of God. 
there was no external will of God and you were never created to be a self-initiator. You were like Norman was saying, like Romans six, seven and eight say you were always a dependent person. Like uh, you're always the trophy bride. You know, you're always the one that he just brought along to, to, to show you off while he does the work. You know, that's always what your life was about before Satan carried you around as a trophy or sin or whatever, making you do what it wanted. But now it's effortless. The will of God is effortless, but we're scared. We're scared of that because we haven't heard the gospel enough. We haven't heard this message hasn't permeated. So we wake up in the middle of the night. We wonder if we're doing the will of God. We wonder if he's close to us. We wonder if he's pleased with us telling you guys like he's in you. He, he's, you are his beloved son or daughter in whom he's well pleased. And it, his will is, is integrated with the depths of your desire. His, his will is integrated with the things you want. Do you love spending time with your kids? Of course you do. Do you love spending time with your family? Do you love, you know, serving people? Do you love giving? Do you, these are the things that, what are the, what's the, do you truly, truly, truly want? What do you truly, truly, truly love? That's his calling. That's his will for your life. You're not an independent self. He's permeated the depths of you. When you rest in that revelation, uh, all of life becomes a vacation. All of life becomes a joy. All of life, even if you're laying down your life for some person in a distant desert land, if, if you're going with the flow of the river of God within, it's, it's the best because it's what you wanted. It's, it was your dream. So it's not, this message sound, can sound a little bit like every Disney movie. Just follow your dreams, follow your heart. But it's oftentimes those are appealing to a sense of following your dreams and following your heart that was deceived by the world's definition. We're talking about notice God in the depths of your, of your being. You know, notice him inside of you. And then, yes, follow your dreams, follow your heart, because he's in all those. He's permeated those things. So anyway, that's all I have. Uh, I see a few people maybe wanting to comment. Mark, what do you have to share, brother? Lo- I always love hearing from you. <laughs> I, I remember when I was reading Grub, I, I, I mentally assented to it immediately, and I kept reading and reading and mentally assenting and mentally assenting, but it wasn't really hitting me. And then somewhere along the line, I just, I just said simply like a kid, Thank you, Jesus, that I don't have to be myself alone. Come on. Come on. (laughs) That is super good news. That is super good news. Yeah, it's simple. It's much more simple. Sometimes it can feel a little challenging to figure out, but it's as simple as that, bro. That's really good. Who else? I see a bunch of hands. Just go ahead. Whoever's next. Or I can call on you. <laughs> Adrian, what do you got, brother? Yeah, I was just, I was just thinking like um, God's like, um, he's given us like a um, way to dream and stuff. And like we got, we got, we can, we've been told like by religion all our lives that it's wrong to do that. We've been told like, no, you can't do that in church. It's like evil. Like don't dream. You just got to like go to church and do whatever you want to like do what you have to do there and just listen to the pastor and listen to everything and obey everything. But, but, but actually 
the world's stolen all those ideas and they're doing all those things. And you wonder why the world's having fun and they're like having this amazing life and everything because they're using all the principles that we should be using from the Bible. And, and we've been told with guilt, like, don't do that because it's guilty. And we've, been, we've got preachers telling us, hey, you're so evil and look at you. You're not making the mark. You can't do it and you mustn't do this. And like, so we read all the wrong books and we've been like, we become all religious and, and the people that aren't even with God, they don't even know Jesus, but they're taking those principles and they're applying those principles of, of dreaming God and enjoying life. And, and they're not even with Jesus, but they, they're taking those things and God's blessing them because they're taking the principles of his word, basically. Because it says like whatever you what if you if you if you um whatever you believe and see that you already have in John, right? That's actually visualization, like Yonki Cho said, that Chinese guy with the biggest church in the world. So basically, we've been told our whole lives, I've been reading like the deception of Christianity, like how you mustn't visualize and how you mustn't and how it's so evil and the charismatics are so bad to do it. But it's all wrong. They've been telling us the wrong stuff. They've been telling us not to do what we should be doing. And we got to come to the place where we say, whoa, it's actually in the Bible. God says, whatever you believe, already have, see it and believe it that you already have it, and it's yours. It's like, so that's so beautiful what you're saying. I just love it. So thanks. Thanks. I love that, man. I love what you said about kind of the creativity, too. Or at least I've noticed this with like, you know, Christian musicians sometimes seem to be the least creative. Why? Because they're always doubting what's coming up from within them. They're second guessing it. People in the world are just boldly like doing whatever the heck they want, ends up creating better music. And I, I'm so thankful, like one of the guys I really know is uh, in touch with just being himself in our streams is John Mark Pantana. I really love when he's just making whatever music he wants now because of this gospel. It's actually made him confident. And I see that in a number of different creative musicians that are around us and artists. And I think that is the key, guys. It's the reason why Christian art and music has suffered so much is because we haven't told people it's okay to be yourself. So how are you ever gonna express really good creativity if you're never allowing that creative flow to flow? So I love that, man. I think that's a huge revelation. Shaba. Who's next here? Michelle or Lynn, who's next? Okay. Dad, go ahead. Lynn, Dad. Oh, yay. Yay, yay, yay. I just love this holy heart message, dude. It's like you're really preaching the finished works here. It's something's already happened to us. And I love that you're pulling out, you know, stuff from the forefathers of the faith, right? I mean, it's it's the same message. It's always been there. We just I mean, I was taught in church that my heart was wicked, you know, out of the Old Testament, deceitful beyond measure. And I had to, even choosing to, like, uh, be a Christian, it was still on me. I was still the self-operator. You know, I had to be good. And so I love how you're bringing out this stuff that it's, that's, that was always an illusion. And we're learning, you know, that's, we're not talking about losing yourself. We're talking about losing the carnal mind and the ego here. You know, it's just letting go of the the stuff that really wasn't you and discovering the truth about who we really have been all along, at least since Jesus Christ. <laughs> See, I just wanted to affirm that, dude. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Yes. Ooh. 
Here, Michelle, if you unmute on yours, it'll go weird, so just say it loud here. Michelle Hardesty has joined us, hey. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> hey. Oh, wait, here, wait, let me change the setting. Uh, now they can see you. Oh, they can see Michelle's you. here! Hey. She just moved to Fort Wayne today, guys. Today. She's home, come on. Seated next to Dante on her golden throne. <laughs> Somebody went to pick her up. I'm so glad. I felt guilty. Yeah. to say you know it and i'll just testify on this i think on my last couple of mission trips i actually got out of the rest <laughs> and i suffered the consequence of it you know i i was just i i and i i just share that to say it's happened to me many times i'm not always walking in it and i know the difference but sometimes you know you can just get caught up in this swirl of of the pressing needs they call it the tyranny of the urgent you know and especially when you're leading something um leading a trip or leading a ministry there's there's a hundred opportunities a day to get to, to take your eyes off of christ within and begin to respond by a should you know uh, the pressures of the shoulds and it doesn't mean we can never respond because it's it also doesn't mean you have to walk in this paranoid what am I really in the rest? Am I really in the rest? You know, uh, but I think there's just always these opportunities and, and that's what awakening is. We are all awakening to the gospel and I'm awakening to greater rest guys. Um, and I know what it like, and I, I just say that to say too, like you guys know what it feels like and it's okay. If you, you know, if you miss it, sometimes it's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean you you failed and you can never every moment you can just stop and look again and notice the flow of the river because he's never going to stop flowing uh in you that's that's the the misnomer like we think holy spirit's this dove on our shoulder one wrong move and she flies away no you're in permanent union the river will never stop flowing and in any moment you know, I, I'm just right now again be like, oh, ooh, guys, I got to get back in that restful thing, you know. So a lot of these messages are even reminding me because I can tell you what, whoa, that when you're flowing in that rest, the fruit is exponential. We saw some good fruit on our last couple of mission trips. I, I kid you not. Uh, it was drunk and there was some good stuff, healings, miracles, gospel going forth, 
good relationships, but there were many times, I think, where I was like slipping into this place of just, to be honest with you, uh, striving or works. That's what it, that's what it is. There's only two options. There's only work, striving, or rest, you know? So <laughs> it, it can happen to any of us. So, um, and it, but it's not hard. It, it's sometimes it's just remembering, oh, the easiest and not, not only this is it the best option to rest, it's the most natural to me. It's easy, it's the easiest, it's effortless in fact. And uh, it's just remembering, you know? So I'm thankful that a lot of you remind, uh, remind us. Oh, Allison said Ed wanted to share. Ed, bro, I didn't see your hand up, man. And anybody else who wants to share, we got we got time. What you got, uh, Ed? Can you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm uh, I'm a little uh, fried out from work. Uh, lovely people. Uh, you and me have had a chance a couple times to talk on Facebook Messenger. So I actually am now finally decided to come on and check out what you guys are doing. Welcome. Good to see you, man. Yeah. Thank Glad you. you so I was introduced, I guess, finding out about you was through uh, Jeremy Wood. Uh, good friend, good friends with uh, my apostle who actually dropped John Crowder, got on to him, Baxter, great dance. And uh, Resting Union has actually been something that I've been hearing. I just, I get squirrely real fast, like... Uh, people call that ADD, ADHD, whatever. Um, so I'm going to try and slow down, but union is actually, uh, interesting. Cause I just started learning about the kingdom of God being inside you. It's still hard for me to accept that. And then when I heard growing up, oh, you got a wicked heart and I'm still like, so yeah, anyways, what I'm getting at, um, is Am I still a little bit rebellious in some things that people would call carnal and flesh? Yes, but I understand that's a identity issue, beloved, accepting that. So that's that's on me. I get that. The problem is my intellect likes to my use nice language duck with me. <laughs> but um it's really been a good game to sit in here, listen to what you guys are about. Um Puts me a little more at ease of like, all right, now I know where you guys are at and I'm more than happy to like jump in. Hard part is going back at a gathering where some people are there, but there's still some that are all about behavioral, moral modification. And I love them, but one of them or two of them, sometimes you just want to strangling <laughs> so it's um it's just following that um learning learning so much there's so much I, my brain is already fried just talking <laughs> but uh yeah you know really happy to hear what you guys are doing and um you know i might drop in more i'm actually very happy what y'all are doing over here and hearing it gives me a little more courage to go back to our gatherings but, uh, yeah, I have more questions, but I'd rather just save them for later. <laughs> so good, bro. Yeah, glad you hopped in, man. And there's really good just insights. And it, it, it's a lot to take in because it is so different than a lot of the Christianity we grew up with, right? It's like 
Oh my goodness, you know, the new creation identity and all the implications and the rabbit hole that it goes down, you know, uh, this that's what we've been exploring. It, to me, it changed everything 15 years ago and I've been going down this rabbit hole and it's like, oh my goodness, dude, I was living in so much dualism and striving, separation mentality and didn't know who I was, you know, and I was a missionary, you know, <laughs> so hey, I can relate, bro. So good. Ooh. Anybody else have anything they want to share tonight? We're kind of wrapping things up. So good, guys. Really good stuff everybody's shared, man. I'm super blessed. <laughs> Allison says, pray for me. I need to travel. Yep, yep. Healing life on Allison. Thank you, Lord, for a supernatural shift in preparation for this. She would just flow in the river, Lord, just everything we're talking about. Oh, Glory Auntie's is sick in bed. Woo, we love you, Glory Auntie. We bless your body, we bless your body right now. In the ease, in the ease of the finished work. In the ease of the finished work, yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever happened in Nepal that happened to your body, we just say be healed, just, Whatever, we don't need to figure it out. Just be healed. Allison too, be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed, health, wholeness, and life. Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Papa. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have a weird, oh, go, go, go. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Go, go, Who's go. It? Rainy. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's all good. I got a weird prayer request. We'd love to pray with you. Uh, along with all the physical stuff, which hopefully we're figuring some of this out, but uh, also I need uh, I need a better this computer I have. It's like no, there's hardly any disk space on it. Yep. And I do a lot of recording from home, which requires a lot of disk space. And a lot of RAM and a lot of stuff that really I don't have. So basically, what I'm saying is, I need a I need a musician's computer. Oh yeah. Um, and I don't know how to get that, you know, with on the budget that I have. So yeah, that's that's what I'm asking for prayer for, along with along with stuff that you know, you know, um, Matt. Those who are on the you know hillside, you, you guys know. Um, yeah. Brian. Ask for prayer for both of us because we're going we're going through a lot of physical stuff too. Both of us are, and cool. uh, so yeah. <laughs> Let's just pray in tongues over this stuff for Rainy and Ryan. Glory, 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 answers, glory, answers, glory, answers. Yes, angels, 
delivering MacBooks. Glory, 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 glory. Angels delivering goodies, delivering. We thank you for healing. We thank you for supernatural strength, drying his body. Significant change this week. Significant change. Three, we declare. We're we're declaring and decreeing a matter. But for real, thank you, Papa. Thank you, Lord. For Hayden too. Yes, we love you, brother. We love you, man. Keep praying as for full freedom from what I mentioned earlier. Yes. Woo! The healing, the healing, the healing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for walking Hayden through just at the right time in the right places that he can receive. You are so good at helping us receive, Lord. Whoa, you're so good at helping us receive. Anybody that needs healing, healing from traumas, healing from emotional wounds, emotional things, we thank you, Jesus, by your stripes, by your stripes. We thank you that in you, in you is our healing. You are our healing. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We don't have to pray the right prayer or say the right words, but we just rest in your river tonight. We rest in your love. We rest in your arms. Ooh, everything we need, everything we need. I feel like someone is just asking for wisdom. The Lord says, there's the wisdom. You wanted wisdom? There it is. 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 Ideas are coming. Ideas, new revelations, new wisdom. Boop, 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 boop. A new dawn, new dawns, new dawns, horizons, horizons. I don't know what to do. That's perfect. You're not the operator. The operator knows what he's doing. Good, Allison. That was for Allison. Bing, bing, bing. Shing, ding, ding. Shing, ding, ding. Shing, ding, ding. Someone's getting healed in their legs right now. Their legs. Your legs are being healed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Be healed. Be healed. Ha 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 Thank you for bodies whole and restored. Complete health. Complete health. I don't care how many contradictions we've seen. We thank you that we are healed by your stripes. That we're in your river. That we're in your love. of, And we're in your health. We're in your wholeness. Your shalom. Your completeness. Kanda. Shing ding ding. Shing ding ding. Guys, well, we're going to wrap it up tonight. We're going to wrap it up. I want to give you an opportunity. Some of you guys that are tuning into this all the time and you love what we're doing, would you consider giving tonight? Maybe you haven't partnered with us monthly, but you've been planning to. Um, again, we're so happy you're here. If you never give, it's all good. But the giving it is a blessing for you. If you're able to drop a shig tonight or become a monthly partner, that would be cool. Just go with the river flow like we're talking about, you know? You feel the river's generosity? Here's the ways you can give. We got Venmo, Cash App, Zelly, PayPal. You can screenshot that and give now or later. The best is if you go to thefirehouseprojects.com and click donate or go to thefirehouseprojects.com slash donate. That's always a huge help because Katie and I do this full time. We've got all kinds of different opportunities and things that we're a part of. We got our Advent gatherings coming up December 15 to 17. Go to advent.buzz. We're doing a School of the Cross in Hawaii in February. Help us go and do that. We're going to be uh, doing a mission trip to Nicaragua in April. Woo! 
join us or uh, partner with us. We continue to run a children's home and we're probably starting a school for kids in Nepal soon. Donate at thefirehouseprojects.com or any of those things on your screen. Shaga like a ding dong. We're just doing what we love. We're drunk. We're going with the river flow. You do the same. That is the point. Amen. So good to see you guys. Glad you all joined tonight. I feel high on Jesus. I feel high. I'm stoned. I'm wasted. It's like Dante. So for me, Michelle, Dante Ficka, we all say sayonara. We all say arigato. We say shing ding ding. Come visit us in Fort Wack in December or uh, keep tuning in. We'll, we won't be uh, gathering this Sunday online. We will be back for prayer party on Monday and next Wednesday. Uh, so good to be with you guys. Love you all. Um, you can always message us with more questions, prayer requests, whatever. We're just happy to know you. Glad, welcome to those that joined us for the first time. Good to see a lot of you we know. And we'll see you next time, guys. Higher and higher.